Welcome back to the first episode of season two. We took a little midsummer break to reflect and rethink about what we wanted for season two of the Mindful Business Podcast. And I am so excited to be back with our first ever guest on the podcast, Kyra Matthews. When I started this podcast, I immediately knew who my first guest was going to be. Kyra Matthews is a manifestation coach who helps creatives create unshakable confidence and hit big goals. I met Kyra last year when I joined her one-on-one coaching program. We worked together through her 12-week program and I'm not joking, by week two I was already hitting my goals and I felt incredible. And I'll be honest, I never really believed that I needed to work with a manifestation coach because I have been able to manifest a lot of things in my life before. But when it came to my business, I felt so close to it that I just knew I needed some external help. So I am so excited to have Kyra on the first episode of season two. And I just know that her magnetic energy will inspire all of you as well. Enjoy. Kyra Matthews, welcome to the Mindful Business Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Tash. Like, I am so excited for you. I feel like I'm excited because I remember you saying, hmm, I'm thinking about doing a podcast and now it's actually here. It looks freaking bomb and you're just killing it. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you. You know, you're the first person I uh, came to when I decided to start the podcast. Like you were the first person that I said, "Um, you know what, I'm actually going to start a podcast. It's going to be called the Mindful Business Podcast. And your excitement about it just made me realize, okay, this is the right thing to do (laughs) because I was so nervous. Yeah. I genuinely feel like more creatives and business people should have podcasts because it's like such an amazing tool for community and just like also owning your own voice as a business person it takes like a lot even though there's so much content in the world it actually takes a lot to trust yourself to put out 40 minutes of your own ideas every single week so yeah like it's not lost on me how much you've given to your podcast and to your community. Thank you so much. So before we jump into the questions and amazing things that I want to touch on with you, could you introduce yourself to the audience? Let them know what you're about in your own words. Yeah, sure. So my name is Kyra Matthews. I'm a mindset and manifestation coach for creatives. And really what clients come to me for is creatives come to me because they have this big, beautiful, creative vision. They want to live life fueled by their creativity they want to do that every single day they see other people doing it online but for some reason they can't quite figure out the pieces in their own lives about how to get there and so essentially I help people live out their creative dreams to make more money money is inherently part of that equation and uh yeah that's what I do um we were just talking about before the call I'm a big fan of public speaking I'm always doing brand collabs and workshops I'm the creator of something that I call the Future Self 90 Day Journal. Um, I also work in tech. I work for a tech startup that that I absolutely love. So yeah, (laughs) that's me. Amazing. So I want to start at the beginning. You and I have had multiple conversations about the world of manifestation. And I think it's so fascinating how as you got older, you came to the realization that not everyone knows that you can create your reality with your mind 
Could you talk a little bit about your introduction to the law of attraction? Yeah. So when I was about 13 or 14, I was given uh, The Secret. And it's one of the first books that when anyone's talking about manifestation, they've either heard of it and it's their introduction or they've read it and they've used the tools. And I was given that at a very young age. And I was reading all of these things that the man, the, that the secret promises about using your thoughts to create your feelings, to go in vi- and to visualize things and to have things happen in your life and how you're worthy of anything you want. You just have to think it. You just have to believe it. And I've always been really into science, really into maths and things that really make sense and are logical. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to test this out. And I actually tested it out on my GCSEs. So for any of your um, non-UK listeners, your GCSEs are your exams that you do when you're about 16. And it's is framed in a way where it's like these exams like determine your whole life obviously now we know exams don't determine your whole life but at the time my GCSEs felt like a huge big deal to me so I remember like visualizing the grades that I wanted and every time I did an exam the examiner would be like okay pens down turn your papers over I would write the grade that I wanted on the front I'm an Aries born on the first of the month first of April I'm the first child in my family so me being me I was like I want an A star on every single exam so I did that on my mock exams and on my formal exams papers so anytime someone marked a test from me I already had graded it myself (laughs) and the whole time I was visualizing opening being in that exam hall opening that envelope and seeing the grades that I wanted and just believing that it was mine when I got to exam day, I had wanted, I think I did about 10 to 12 GCSEs. I can't remember. And I had wanted all of them to be A stars. Not all of them was. I think I got, no, I did nine GCSEs. GCSEs. I got six A's, two B's and a C. So they weren't all A stars, but it was enough for me to be like, I created that. I did that. Yeah. I then went off to college and university. Um, I was a young person and I got, I completely forgot about manifestation and all this mindset work. And when I left university, I was in this place of, okay, so what do I want to do with my life? Who am I? And that's when I really started to get back into everything that I had learned in my earlier teenage years and started to really sort of double down on the things that I had explored before. That is fascinating. It's like the opposite to my story. What's your story? I didn't know about the law of attraction. I remember my mom used to um, read The Secret and she watched the movie. I think there was also a movie back way back when. And I remember her going into this process and just talking about thinking positively and showing up as if things already happened. And when I was little, I was like, oh, I don't know about this. But then when I was in high school, I found myself in a place where I wasn't happy with where my life was at. And I then decided to fake it till you make it. And then my life completely changed and everything that I wanted came true. And that's when that magic power that I thought I had (laughs) got given a name. And that was, oh, this is actually the law of attraction. And that's when I did more research about it and got more into that whole side of things. I love that. So 
I work with a lot of wellness entrepreneurs and one thing that I've learned while working with all of them is that all of them have had this somewhat fuck it moment where they decided to turn their interests and their hobbies into their careers. You've had a similar moment. Could you talk about what that moment looked like for you where you decided to manifest your dreams while in the same time helping other people manifest their dreams? Yeah, I love that. My fuck it moment. So my fuck it moment really, I feel like it happened in stages to build up this like brick wall that eventually was like, I cannot ignore this anymore. So I went and did a degree in fashion design, absolutely loved it. I graduated and I worked in fashion, different fashion companies for about a year before I went into fashion styling. So I was working with the likes of Days Magazine, Evening Standard Style, um, ASOS, Paul Smith, all of these amazing, incredible, incredible brands working on these really huge jobs with like loads of famous people around. And it was the kind of job that when I introduced myself at parties and in the pub, people were like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. How did you get into that? But on the other side of that, I felt really miserable. Like I didn't like how I was treated in my job. I didn't like how I viewed myself in the industry. I didn't like the way that it felt that I would write invoices and really just throw them into the abyss, the abyss and have no idea when those invoices were coming back. I felt very out of control and I didn't feel like the I was living in the way that I wanted to live. And so what happened then is I went on a journey of exploration to see, to discover what it really was that I wanted to do with my life and what I really wanted to be. I feel like many of my clients have this. They have this they have this knowing that there's so much potential inside of them. Why can't they get it out? Why can't they like unleash it and realize that potential? And I had a very similar moment. And it led me to all sorts of places. I started script writing, um, writing for theater and film. Uh, I did all sorts of random things, but what I eventually landed on is finance and money. So I started a podcast, it's called No Room for Doubt, but at the time it was called Bold, Brilliant and Broke. And I was talking to my creative freelancer friends about challenges we were facing in the creative industry. So like we spoke about money, we spoke about the audacity to ask for what we want, we spoke about how to get jobs, we spoke about taxes and finance and things like that. And I was slowly starting to build up a community. At this point, it was just a podcast. I didn't really know what I wanted it to be or that it could be anything else. So I started that podcast in um, August of 2019. Fast forward to March 2020. Obviously, lockdown happens in the UK. Coronavirus arrives in the UK. It was a rock bottom for me. And I realised I had to do something and I had to act quickly. And that's when I said, okay, I've had this thing growing and I kind of know I want to coach and support creatives. I just never had the real push to do it. Well, hello, Corona, lockdown. Um, there was my push. That was really my fuck it moment yeah yeah that's amazing I love that I feel like a lot of people had that fuck it moment during lockdown but a lot of people have the fuck it moment during a rock bottom which I I also had yeah totally. during lockdown actually so very yeah. interesting <laughs> <laughs> um I want to ask you obviously 
on this podcast, we are discussing mindfulness, but also business. Obviously, you have a coaching business, so a business within the wellness space. What were your first steps after you had that fuck it moment and you harnessed that energy that you felt during your fuck it moments? What was your first step? Did you reach out to everyone that you knew? Did you start a website? How did you go about putting yourself out there on Instagram? Mm. What What was step one, two, and three from yeah. there? Yeah. So I was, Instagram is really interesting because I was already putting myself out on Instagram. One of the things that I did with the podcast is I announced it to every single person because I was like, I really want to do this and I don't want to not do this. So I was someone who never really spoke on stories before. I would post things and then one day I just did a video on my stories. Like I'm doing this podcast Um it's going to be launched at this time. And every single week I just came back and did a little video on my stories and told people about the progress and people started to become invested. And then Instagram became something that I loved. So I have never had any concerns about putting my face on video or talking on Instagram or sharing intimate, irrelevant details of my life because I've always kind of done it. Um, and that was, I didn't know at the time, but that became the way that I would launch most things in my life, like creating that community before having a product actually comes mm. before we're even talking about having a product. And I didn't know at the time, but by building that community, I was selling myself and selling, um, people spending time listening to the podcast. So I would say that happened by the time lockdown happened. I already had this community of people who knew that I was doing things. And I will also say that because of me putting myself out there in that way, people were already coming to me saying, okay, so what's next? Like you could start charging people for this advice, you know, like, you know, people were already being like, okay, cool. What's next? That is incredible. Yeah. It's, it's really fun. And this is also why I say like community is where you want to put all of your attention and focus first. And then what I did is I got lots of coaching and support. So um, I'm a coach who pays for coaching and I love paying for coaching. One of my early uh, mentors at that time was Katie Prince. Um, she's incredible. And I recommend anyone who is interested in uh, getting support in that way to join her program. Um, and then I also did coaching programs so I could teach myself how to coach other people. So I did an NLP, which stands for, your audience will know this, but it's Neuro Linguistic Pro Programming. Um, and really, I just started, it all started for me with a Facebook post that I did in a group that I was already part of, fill, filled with fashion creatives. I said, hey, I'm a fashion creative just like you. I'm thinking about offering this new coaching service. I would love people to test this out and uh, give me some feedback. If you tell me about the problems that you're working with, that you're struggling with at the moment, I will uh, give you a free coaching session and you can give me some feedback. And I remember I had about 40 comments of people replying like, hey, I would love this. Hey, I would love this. And I, in the end, it turned out I did about, between 30 to 20 free sessions of people giving me their time, telling me their problems and me coaching them and really just doing that exchange for free. And I got so much information from those calls. Um, 
and I think I coached people for free for quite a significant period of time, maybe three or four months, I would say, as I was still testing things and getting my groove. Um, And then, and I also launched a few unsuccessful digital products in this time, which I'm where I launched things where nobody was interested and nobody bought them, but they became the foundations for the success that I had later. Um, and at the end of 2020, that saw me launch my first group pro- group program, which was called Stuck to Unstoppable. Um, and yeah, since that time, I've never really looked back. That's incredible. What a journey. Honestly, the Instagram part for a lot of people is such a struggle putting yourself out there. So you're super lucky that you just already had that confidence and you could just do that (laughs) so that is like a big win yeah the networking side of things building a a community as you know is so important do you have any advice for anyone out there who is struggling to do the networking side of things and would like to build a community authentically Mm. first of all don't call it networking just because there were so many negative connotations with networking Mm. networking is seen as like I've got to go find someone who's going to give me the most return. And I can't talk to anyone who can't promise me an immediate return. Like, oh, you work in banking? I don't care about you. I'm trying to look for people who are film directors or X, Y, Z. One of the best pieces of advice. Yeah, exactly. Totally transactional. And first of all, you don't want to be treated in that way. And if you're listening to this podcast, you I know already know you definitely don't want to treat anyone else that way. One of the earliest bits of advice that framed the way I see this, and I can't remember who shared this, so unfortunately I can't give credit, but what they said was, don't go out and network, go out and make friends. And that's something I've always taken with me. So in most, most when I worked in fashion and fashion styling, all of the jobs that I did in fashion styling came from referrals. I never really applied for any type of job it all came because somebody worked with me one day on set, whether they were the makeup artist, the photographer, the stylist, the model. I chatted to them. Hey, how you doing? You okay? Shared details after. And the next time they needed someone on set, they remembered me and reached out. And I always tried to repay that favor any single time I could. Mm. So if I saw an opportunity that was great for a makeup artist I knew, I would always want to recommend someone. And um, more recently, what I've been doing is I've been really taking that go out and make friends part to heart. So I've done things like I joined a netball team. I have slid into people's DMs, people who I admire just to say, hey, I think you're great. You're killing it. I would love to have a virtual coffee sometime. I love that. Yeah. Like there's and I've done it all from a genuine place. Like these are people who inspire me that I would love to meet Mm. um, and love to chat with. And sometimes people replied and it's great. And we're friends now and we still talk and we've worked together and we've shared shared opportunities with each other. And some people never replied at all. And that's totally fine. I would also recommend a book here and it's called Never Eat Alone. I'm not sure who it's written by, but it's called Never Eat Alone. And it's basically charts the success of this guy who really came from nothing, but all his success was because he placed so much value 
on relationships, on giving to relationships. And it's really mad when you give to other people, they want to give to you. So there's so many times where I've been in friendships where someone sends me an opportunity and it's like, I never expected this to happen, but just because of how I'm showing up in my relationships, those kind of, I align to those things and they come to me. And so I would definitely say, if you're looking to build community in person or online, it is about building those friendships, giving to your community and really giving giving without expecting anything back. Yeah, and energetically aligning with the people you feel yeah, most connected totally. to. It's because, and also it's because like when I've slid into people's DMs, sometimes they're like, oh my gosh, I've been following you and I love you. And it's kind of like, sometimes like there's people just waiting for you to make the first move. So I say, why not? That's incredible. I'm Okay, I'm definitely going to do that. That's on my to-do list for next week. I want to slide into one person's DMs every yes. week. That's that's the goal for yes. the next three weeks. I'm going to do that. <laughs> oh my gosh, do it. Do it. Go on a really fun date. Go for coffee. Have dinner or something. It's so fun. When I worked with you through your 12-week coaching program called Stuck to Unstoppable, you took me through this carefully curated roller coaster of realizations and unpacking of the mind is the only way I can describe it. <laughs> Could you talk a little bit about your coaching process and how that came to be? So this is such an interesting question. I would say so much failure had to happen for us to have the relationship, the coaching relationship that we had. Failure in my own life, but also failure within other people that I coach like I coach people for free a lot I made so many mistakes and I really had to look at every relationship and every coaching client that I had as a learning opportunity why did was that person successful why what how could I say this in a way that this person could understand what needs to change and what needs to happen here so the 90-day process actually came out of an experiment that I ran in my own business. Um, I had just moved into a new flat and I had also just started working with a podcast editor. And so I had these different expenses and different outgoings that was higher than the amount that I had in my bank account at that time. And I said, okay, I need to make this certain amount of money. I'm going to give myself 30 days where I'm just going to believe that it's possible. I'm going to let all the, do all the doubt go in my mind and I'm going to believe it's possible. Sometimes what can happen when we there's something that we want to create, we can get into this kind of cycle, this kind of hamster wheel of fighting with our negative thoughts, fighting with our doubts. And it's so unproductive when you're trying to achieve a goal. So I essentially gave myself this 30 days. I was like, it's a container where I'm sorry, all the doubts, they're not allowed to happen. This doesn't mean that my brain just suddenly turned off and had this amazing brand new shiny, like doubt-free brain. But what it meant was that any time a doubt came up, I didn't waste any time entertaining it. I didn't waste any time catastrophizing it. I just wrote it down, put it to the side. So I set myself this goal. I said, what did I launch? Oh yeah, it was the caption powwow. I decided I'm going to launch this workshop. And if I hit this amount of signups, I will make my financial goal. 
So I show up to that goal within that 90 days. I'm posting online. I'm talking about it. And it just becomes something so much bigger than me. I sell out that workshop. It sells out in about the first 10 minutes of me putting it live. And that's when I really, yeah, it was so good. And that's when I really understood the power of that 90 day, of that 30 day container, like creating that space where you are going to hold yourself accountable to believing that it's possible. I was able to pay my outgoings. I paid my editor. It was fantastic. And then I went on other experiments and I tried other things in my life. And I just saw how it was so effective. I'm not telling myself that negative thoughts don't exist. I'm not telling myself that, you know, I'm a millionaire either. All I'm doing is saying, okay, for the next period of time, I'm going to commit to believing this thing. And as you go through this container, what happens is all of your doubts will rush to the surface. But because you're coming from this mindset of, no, I'm going to believe in the best of myself, it gives you this leverage to then problem solve all of your doubts. So within the 12 week coaching program, that I do. I see my clients every single week. Every week they come back to me with new problems, new doubts and new fears. And every single week we're unpicking them, untangling them. And every time you let go of a doubt, hey, I don't think I can do this. Nobody wants to hear from me. And every time you disprove it, you move closer and closer to your goal. You let go of all of this baggage that allows you to take action in alignment with with who you want to be and who you want to achieve. So the 90, it became 90 days because when I'm doing it with my clients, there is so much resistance at first to the process that you kind of need that time to, to get a lot of fails out the way because 100% you are going to fail. But then around like day 60, you're like, okay, I see it. I've got enough evidence now. It's working for me and I can achieve my goal. Some of my clients do that right, like way before the 90 days. You did it on exactly the 90 days or slightly after, I think. I've had clients who have done it slightly after. And the time is not to tie yourself down to the time. It's really to tie yourself down to the process. Like this is what I'm committing for myself. And essentially that's how it came to be. I love that. What I really loved about your 90 day coaching process was the, just the amount of focus that you are allowing yourself to give to your goals. Because everyone out there has goals. I remember I used to have goals all the time, but I never really put the focus element behind it and giving myself space and time to fail and to learn and to ask questions. I, I loved it. I rave about it all the time. As you know, I tell everyone to work with Kyra. So I'm a big fan. <laughs> Could you give us a little insight here? Thank you, Tash. <laughs> Could you give us a little insight here? What would you say? based on your experience, is the most common negative belief people need to work through? I would say that they're unworthy of their goal. So let's take something that I'm working on that I speak about all the time is my 25k in 90 days. When you first set a goal, something that you've never achieved, 
your brain is like, who are you to do that? You're not worthy of, like, you're not good enough for it. Your brain looks at all the people in your life and in the world that have the success you want and it starts to look for evidence as to why you are not allowed it, but why they're allowed it. So of course that person makes all that money. They have a PhD in whatever. Mm. They've written a book. They have a hundred thousand followers. You're really stupid. You're dyslexic. Dyslexic people don't do that. You come from a poor background. It's not possible for you. Um, people, women aren't successful in this space. No one's going to take you seriously. People who know you intimately don't think you're capable of doing this. So surely they're right and you're wrong. Who do you think you are? That is the biggest, your brain is going to do that. Even when you achieve the goal, you may not be able to believe it. But (laughs) (laughs) when you're first setting your goal, you have to learn how to distinguish what is fact versus what is fiction. So your brain is going to create all of this story as to why you don't have it, why you can't have it. And really the work is to disprove all of that story and to just focus on the facts. So for me of my 25K in 90 days, a fact is, is that I'm a human who lives in the UK. I have access to Wi-Fi. I also have access to a computer. That's just a fact. I get to do whatever I want with that. The fact is I haven't made that money before in 90 days. That's total fact. And I can then create a story that disempowers me about that fact, or I can choose to create a story that empowers me about that fact. Okay, I've never done this before, but why do I want to do it? Why is it important to me? Why do I care? And I can start embellishing that and telling myself those stories. So what I'm kind of telling myself now is, you know, I've done so many things for the first time. Why not this? It would be sick. Like I'm willing to try as many times until I give, get my, get myself to that goal. I love that. And just for transparency, I've actually attempted this goal and completely failed twice so far. So I've done two 90 day cycles and I haven't hit it. I'm now in my third cycle and I feel pretty confident now to say that this goal is going to happen for me because that part of my brain that's like no it can't work it doesn't work Mm. that was so afraid of failure has now experienced the failure and guess what I did not die I'm okay I'm telling everyone hey I failed and it releases so much internal shame, like sharing that and being like, I'm, I failed and I've tried again. And that's where we build all of our confidence and all of our resilience. So our fear of failure, our fear of what other people will think when they see us fail, it can be so debilitating. We really need to kind of like... um rejection therapy there's a really great ted talk on this called rejection therapy but we need to open ourselves up to that failure up to people seeing us fail getting back up and going again that's the only way you can really work through those beliefs and once you master how to do that you really become unlimited Mm, i love that that is amazing when i came to you to work with you um through the 12-week coaching program I came to you with a very 
what I felt was like the only problem. It turns out I had many other beliefs that I had to work through. <laughs> um, I came to you and said, Kyra, I want to raise my prices. I want to work with more wellness entrepreneurs. I want to work with this type of client. And I was very clear about that. But my biggest issue was my money mindset. And you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> but you said to me, Tasha, money is neutral. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about that statement and what you mean by that? So one of the things I said earlier was that there are facts in the world and there's also stories. So there are very few things in the world that are fact. It's a fact that you're listening to a podcast right now. It's a fact that you and I are having a discussion right now. It's a fact that you live in New York or London or Australia or wherever you're listening to this from. That's a fact. You could take it into a court of law and everyone would be able to agree, everyone, like it wouldn't go contested, that everyone can agree that that is a fact. Now, stories is everything else. A story might be, well, I think you're a better person because you have a university degree. I don't know. A story could be because my parents weren't successful, it therefore means that I'm not successful, just as an example. So when it comes to things that we all interact with in society, we collectively have so many stories about things, money being one of those things. We all have our own flavor of our own money story. That story can either empower us to live out the life that we want and have the results that we want, or it can disempower us to live out a life that we don't want and create results that we don't want. So you know if your money story is serving you because you'll have the amount of money that you want in your bank account, in your saving account, or in your investments. So when I say money is neutral, essentially what I'm saying is money is a blank piece of paper. And right now you are projecting and applying all of this trash to that blank piece of paper. And it's that trash that you're drawing and writing on that blank piece of paper that isn't serving you. So just for some examples of what I typically see with the people that I work with is money is hard to come by. I'm not worthy of charging that much. No one would pay me for that. I would have to give way more than I'm giving to be worthy of that. Um, it's not fair if I earn that much. Rich people are bad rich people don't deserve their money. It means that something's gone wrong or they're greedy. That's why they've got all of this. And all of these stories pile up and add up together to create their number that is in your bank account. And it's, all, it's like maths. You have a thought about money I'm not worthy of the money that I want. It creates a feeling in your body that might be shame. It could be anxiety. It could be worry, insecurity. From those feelings, you're then going to take an action. You're going to undercharge. You're not going to sell your services. You're not going to show up online. You won't send the email. And the result will be is that you don't make the money. You, you, you prove to yourself that you're not worthy because you didn't take the actions. And so by going through the process of conditioning your brain to believe that money is neutral, what you're essentially saying is, 
okay, all these stories I've told myself about my ability to earn and my ability to create, I get to decide if I'm going to believe that. And I also get to decide if I'm going to believe something else. Typically, you can't go from I'm not worthy to I'm worthy. So it's a great place to go to. Money is neutral. It's neither good or bad. Humans get to decide if they're going to do good or bad with their money. Money is totally neutral. Honestly, when you said that to me, I was thinking about that statement for weeks, thinking about what money's neutral, money's neutral. And working on that with myself, I've been able to raise my prices twice since I've ended my program with you. I love that. And I'm planning on another raise at the end of the year. So. <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> no, I... I that was just like the golden nuggets for me that and many other things during the coaching progress so along with your coaching program you also launched a 90-day journal yes could you talk a little bit about the journal and how that came to be yeah um so I have one. Oh yeah I have one with me <laughs> <laughs> um so the journal was developed, um, again, I see all of my clients as a learning experience. So, so like you've said in this call, you walked away with so much, but every time a client, every time I'm honored to work with a new client, it's a new experience for me to learn. So I'm always reviewing my sessions, what is working, what results are my clients getting, all of those sorts of things. What I found last year, is that in disproving my beliefs, you essentially have to do this mental hygiene. Like every day you have to be looking at your brain. You don't want to have too many days when you go without looking at your brain, especially when you're trying to believe something new. Because what happens is your brain just goes back to your old beliefs. Like I remember when I was vegetarian for the first time during secondary school, and I remember being in the lunch hall, sitting there eating some sausages and being like, oh my gosh, I forgot I'm, I'm going vegetarian. Because if it's just a well-worn habit, you just forget. So you have to be reminding yourself all the time of your beliefs, of your new intention. And I... So you don't go into your autopilot. Exactly. And when I was working with my clients, I realized it was great that we had this hour weekly but I also wanted to make support for them to have outside of those sessions and what I did at first is I would send my clients a blank journal and I would be like hey use this journal and do some journaling so for context in my story when I graduated uni and I didn't really know what I was going to do journaling and writing down my thoughts and writing down and looking at what I was thinking about has always been something that was a common thread for me it's journaling has changed my life I literally wrote the life that I'm living today and I gave my clients this journal and they were like okay some people loved the journal and already journaled and used it but some people had never really journaled didn't know what to say and sometimes they would write something down but there wasn't and they didn't have any direction and that's really when I decided to come up with the 90-day journal I put all of the questions that I could think of to create that mental hygiene, this place um, where you could dump all of your negative thoughts. And then at the end of a journaling session, walk away feeling energized, inspired and empowered. Um, 
and I made it 90 days so it would support the 90 day goal process. Uh, and it's now something I give to all of my clients when they begin working with me. So yeah, it's really fun. That is such a big plus along with the coaching process. What I have found in my own life is that whenever I have a new idea or a new opportunity that I want to explore, the outcome is very often more positive than I've predicted. What has been the biggest surprise or unforeseen outcome with launching your journals? So thank you so much for asking me this question because I love it so much. I remember the day that I announced to my audience I was going to be publishing this journal. I'm on my stories and I'm literally crying. It's like this mix of relief and happiness because it felt like all the period of my life had come to this moment and I was meant to publish this journal. Journaling has helped me so much and I was like, I'm going to have something that can go on and help people. I then launched it in December 2021 and it sold out within a couple of days. Fantastic. And I didn't imagine that I would have other launches after that, but I did. There was such a demand for this journal. I would say the one of the most unexpected things is there's so much work that went into marketing it and creating it and getting it to everyone. Like the, I remember I the day before the launch, I was putting it on my website and the day of the launch, I was trying to figure out how to take photos of it like I am so it was so I was learning a lot for the first time through that whole process but I totally forgot that okay I'm sending these journals out to people people are going to be doing things with their this journal in their lives and so I started to get messages from people being like I'm on day eight and I've just signed four new clients I'm almost at my goal one person in particular wrote down that they wanted a job at Ghani and they used the journal and now have been working at Ghani for the last three, four months. Um, Ghani is a really cute fashion brand for those of you that don't know. Um, and people started oh, to know. message me. <laughs> okay, fantastic. And people started to message me about the cool things they were doing with this journal and I feel humbled and I kind of can't believe that it's happened even though I knew it would be cool it's mental sorry I don't want to say mental but it is in it blows my mind to think that every time I post one out, someone is stepping into their goals, realizing their goals, and they're changing the world in whatever way they see fit. Like that is, that will yeah. never get old to me. Kara, such amazing information that you've given to this podcast episode today. I want to end off with some rapid fire questions that I would like to ask every yes. guest on the podcast. So you are the first. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, what is the best way for you to start your workday? Journaling. I have to empty out my mind. And I do this even on non-work days. I set a timer on my phone for 10 minutes and I write down every single thought, everything in my brain. I empty my brain. It's like taking out the trash. That's how I have to start my day. 
and mm. at, at 10 o'clock you know if I've done it or and you know if I haven't done it <laughs> it has to happen what's your best tip for automating your business this is interesting because I'm working on this a lot right now I would say I'm going to approach this for, from a mindset point of view. And I would say, don't underestimate how valuable your time is. Oh my gosh. <laughs> In my business, especially at the beginning, when you're doing it alone and when you feel like you don't have a lot of money to invest in experts or systems or Dubsado mm. or whatever, you can convince yourself, oh, it's fine. It just takes 10 minutes to send an email. It just takes an hour for me to go to the supermarket and gr get groceries. Every single minute of your day, you could be using to one, work on your goals and achieve a result in your life, or two, be using that time for joy, friends, love, partners, mm. pets, and holidays. The first thing to remember is if you underestimate how valuable your time is and how valuable life is, how we could die because of global warming at any moment, <laughs> you like if you don't realize that, you will never see the value in automating and in paying people to support you with things. And that was such a challenge for me to overcome for so long. So I have to say, you have to value your time first. Mm. And you have to be willing to pay to get mm. your time back later. Do you believe in work-life balance? And if you do, what are your thoughts about that? Ooh, this is a really good question. Do I believe in work-life balance? I am not gonna lie. I probably don't view my work or my life in this way. Um, I view my life in terms of my mission. So my mission is that as long as there are people on earth, creatives and women on earth who are suffering because they're not living in alignment with their goals, then I will always have work to do. My mission is to meet those people, find those people and support them in any way I can. And what I am so personally committed to that mission. I have so much drive. What it looked like at first is me just spending hours and hours and like unbelievable amounts of time working. What I've realized is that in order for me to serve my mission in the best way possible, I need to have slept well. I need to be thinking at my highest quite often. I need to have eaten well. My body and my brain works best when I've drunk a lot of water and when I've exercised. Not only that, in order to function really well, I also need to feel supported and connected. I'm a massive extrovert, so I need to plan in times with friends. I love meeting new people. I love having time where I can exercise and meet new people. For example, going to being part of a netball team. I love reading and learning. And the way I sort of frame it, instead of looking for work-life balance, it's more about who do I need to be in order to achieve my mission? And how can I be that person as often as possible? And it looks like working out often, scheduling things into my calendar so to support myself, therapy, coaching. And I would say that is how I frame my life rather than work-life balance. 
I love that. And I resonate with that so much because I look at it in a very similar way. Mm. Instead of, there's this quote that I read quite a while ago, instead of looking at things in terms of work-life balance, you should look at things of work-life harmony Mm. because it does go together so well. If I'm not rested, I can't show up for my clients. If I don't show up for my clients, I can't go to bed knowing that I've worked a full day and I feel content with what I've done. Exactly. Harmony is the word that I live by. (laughs) Do you have a quote or motto that you could leave us with? Talk to your future self more than the voices that doubt you. So many of us have conversations and entertain that part of our brain that tells us we're unworthy and we have too few conversations with the version of us in one year's time who is gutted because we didn't take action who is gutted that we didn't believe in ourselves who is absolutely devastated that we didn't take action and there's also a future self version of you who has taken action, who who failed, who fell on their face, who embarrassed themselves in front of everyone and and would do it again and again because they've achieved their goal. And that future self self version is looking back at you today being like, I know it's tough. I know it's scary. I know you've been through a lot, but you are worthy and deserving. You can do this. I know you figure it out in the end. And it's that person that we need to spend more time talking to, more time taking advice from, and more time being and living as. Kyra, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I'm so happy that I have you as my first guest. I'm honored, honestly. (laughs) Where can people find you? Yeah, sure. So you can find me on Instagram. I'm Kyra the Bold, Kyra spelled K-I-R-A. You can also, if you're interested in coaching in me, with me, you can go to my website, which is kyramatthews.com. And you can also find me on my podcast, which is on all major platforms and it's called No Room for Doubt. Amazing. Kyra, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me.